Welcome to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Get ready for the latest veterinary news, information and entertainment. Don't forget to visit us at the Vet Gurus website, vetgurus.com. Now, sit back, relax. It's over to the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Welcome to the Vet Gurus podcast, Brendan, here with Mark. Keeper episode this one, one that we've um, snuck in between our other ones in case we're not around or the internets do not work. So we can throw this one in and that way you don't miss out on your weekly fix. Hopefully you are there, Mark. Loud and clear, hearing you loud and clear. And hopefully I'm delivering the dulcet tones from far north Queensland just as I like to. Excellent. Now, a um, bit of housekeeping as usual, Mark, vetgurus.com. Head over there, look at our previous episodes, become a subscriber. We'd muchly appreciate that. Maybe even think about of throwing us a bones, throwing us the equivalent of a cup of coffee, going to Patreon and looking up Vet Gurus and becoming a patron of our little podcast. It just helps pay for our production costs cup of coffee equivalent you can even do it as a once-off it might ask you to subscribe monthly and you could give us one dollar a month which would be fantastic or more um or you could cancel it after a month and just give us an um, once-off once-off little donation and we do have a few patrons which is fantastic and we have also our major sponsors mark um who help really help pay those production costs at specialised animal nutrition here in Australia, the suppliers of all the Oxbow wonderful products, Chemical Essentials Australia, F10 and Associated Products and also Microchips Australia, Mark. So I think with that out of the way, how are you? Any news? No, everything's good at this end of the world, Brendan. Um, uh, the, uh, the, the dry season just is ticking away, getting drier and drier. It may and, be the um, wet season when this goes to air. You've got to be careful about these episodes. I, I, I did. I thought that, um, you know, try to uh, do some timeless chit-chat, but I thought, ah, we should just go with it. Um, and if it's uh, wet, the wet season when that comes around, then so be it. So much for being professional. Yes, <laughs> we're rank amateurs. Yes, all good here, Mark. Um, everybody's well, and that's the most important thing. And work keeps plugging away. So I think with that, we'll jump into this one. Is uh, it's called Aussie, 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 Mark, because we have news stories from Australia. So we may find some of our overseas listeners are either listening even more intently than usual, or they turn off straight yeah, away. Yeah, I think that their stories with an Australian focus, but yeah, there's aspects of them that go around the world, mate. We'll be good. They're universal, these stories, Mark, universal. And I'll take the first one, and it is um, a little shout-out to one of our sponsors, actually, um, because it uh, mentions one of the... Um, one of our sponsors, Microchips Australia, and one of their products was used in this paper. It's a paper from Australian Mammalogy, Mark, using microchip reading antennas to passively monitor a mammal reintroduction in southwest Queensland, where they were using methods to post-release monitor bilbies, Mark. And have you had your hands on any bilbies at any stage, Mark? 
I have briefly held a bilby and um, I've been very close to the Karawinya National Park, um, the area where these bilbies were released and uh, and there's a number of spots there that you can see bilbies and um, and yeah, I had the, the pleasure of seeing them there. I haven't been in this particular spot, so I haven't interfered with the study. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but uh, I have had uh, had a, a view of them, and it's fascinating, Brendan, isn't it? Yes, yes. That, so it, it basically uh, the antenna, sort of a ring antenna, Mark. I haven't got the picture in front of me at, at the screen. I'm just looking at the abstract at the moment, but uh, it almost looks like a, I don't know, a, a hollowed out uh, one of the portal. It looks por- like a portal. It does look like a portal, and bury probably the uh, fifth of it, um, the bottom section un- underneath the dirt there, and then um, the bilbies will jump through the portal, Mark, and as they're going through the portal, the antenna hopefully will detect them. And they found in the study the antenna detected 76% of the released captive bilbies, Mark, that all of them are microchipped, obviously, and 30% of the microchipped wild-born bilbies during the study period. And... They summarise that the microchip reading antennas greatly improve the rate of detection for bilbies in the enclosure compared to the traditional method, Mark, which is cage trapping yeah. alone. So, um, and, and it has to be, like while it is more effective at identifying them, it also has to be less stressful on them. They just um, slip through the portal. And um, have, have a little. It's like a bar, isn't it? The the yes. food food tray. I can almost imagine the bilby putting their elbow up on there, having a nibble uh, at the at the um, self service tray. And um, perhaps we should have recorded. one. Other... It'd be very low stress. Perhaps we should have one of those portals at the next conference. We help <laughs> organise Mark, and we'll get Microchips Australia involved as well. And uh, we'll. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, it, it, 98% of the um, registrations will be you and me at the bar, Mark, <laughs> somehow, I think, yes. No, uh, uh, quite a good little paper there, Mark, um, recently published, well, as, as uh, 28th of July it was accepted in 2022, and uh, even though in 2023 slash four, depending on when this goes to air, Mark. Uh, so yes, just one of the many potential applications for these devices, Mark. And um, as There's always, a couple of things I was going to mention to you about this story, Brendan. The first one yes. is that um, uh, some of the work I've been doing up here in Northern Australia makes me think about the degree of um, interference required to collect data, and and so I think that it's a good thing that it's minimally impactful on the animals, um, but you still got to put out a little, you know, like we said, a little tray of food to draw them to a location so they can be read. Um, um, and it makes me always concerned that, um, you know, it's the same as bird feeders. Are the birds changing their behaviour significantly enough to yes. affect their well-being? Um, I think the, the in this instance... I reckon the value of the data they collect outdoes the risk of, um, of feeding the, the animals. But I was interested in your opinion. Well, particularly if you compare it to the traditional methods, Mark, of um, <laughs> the, you know, the trapping and that they may be sat in that trap for a number of hours before the trap is, is checked. So I'm, I'm, it's certainly a hell of a lot less stressful than that. Um, and, yeah, uh, I'd much prefer 
them at the bar, Mark, um, in, going through the portal and, and having a feed at the bar than, than being trapped um, as far as um, um, this sort of study. So, yeah, that's my first one, Mark, using microchip reading antennas to passively monitor. And mine's a little, my first one's a little bit related in that it deals with um, uh, conservation of Australian wildlife and um, it tells the story of uh, the 600 new native plants and animals um, that have been uh, added to our long list of species. 600 new species of um, plants and animals have been um, discovered in Australia in the last uh, 12 months up until March 20th of this year. Um, and it's interesting for several reasons, this article. Um, it's interesting because of the clickbait animals that headline the 600 new species, the hairdressing crab, the crab from Western Australia that uh, decorates its body with anemones and then trims the anemones so that it looks cool. Um, <laughs> the vicious wasps who alien fa in alien fashion lay their eggs inside living caterpillars only to have the, uh, the, um, the, the uh, baby wasp burst out um, alien fashion, um, uh, killing the, the uh, host that, that they've parasitized. Um, the, um, one of my favourite, Utricularia, uh, Bali Bongarangnang. Um, all the, I love all the Utricularia species, the bladderworts, the carnivorous bladderworts, um, and uh, it's no surprise that they're is a new species. They're very similar to, um, you know, the traditional Venus flytrap in that they have a little bladder and it has a, a, a you know, it's about a millimetre long and so they catch Daphnia and tiny things in the water and moist soil. Um, and, uh, and so um, it's interesting that there's um, new species of those guys around. Um, and the white-footed white dunnart, a new subspecies was identified in the wet tropics, only a thousand kilometres south of where I am. Um, I do have one thing to say about this, Brendan. I know Tanya Plibersek, our, uh, our in, um, Minister for uh, the Environment, says that it's wonderful that uh, Australia's mega diverse country, one of only 17 in the world, and um, and we need to know what's there so we can protect it. I don't know yes. cataloging more. But I don't know on the two parts, knowing about them and protecting them. I think we're doing a great job of getting to know them. I don't know that we're doing such a great job of uh, protecting them. Yes. And Taxonomist Appreciation Day was mentioned in this article. Who knew there was such a thing? <laughs> Well, all those taxonomists out there, Mark, they're feeling a bit unloved, I think. So it's good to have Taxonomist Appreciation Day, which was March the 19th, Mark. So we'll have to mark that in our calendar next year and <laughs> perhaps we do a special episode for all those taxonomists um, and we'll pull out our taxonomist jokes um, around that time. Yes, Australia has around 8% of the world's plants and animals, Mark, um, and probably a lot less than that percentage um, of money thrown at trying to protect them, I think is what you were trying to get at there, Mark. Um, and despite the increase in these numbers, Mark, these 600 plus new species, 
Scientists believe only 30% of the world's wildlife has still been named, Mark, with an estimated 300,000 300, species, Mark, left to be discovered in Australia alone. So oh, get out there, Mark. I mean, I'm sure you must have come across a few up there, species that um, you haven't particularly seen before. So there'll be um, there'll be uh, Marcus. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll be um, I'll be sticking my epithet Marcus, um, on yes. some of the species I find. Yes. Okay. So my second story, Mark. Um, it's a feel good. We got a couple of feel good stories here, haven't we, Mark? Um, hopefully, these last couple will not um, disappoint. We'll see what you've got, Mark, um, in your last one. Mine is about story dogs, Mark. Um, dogs that help little kids. And in nor- uh, northern New South Wales, Mark, in here in Australia, students are reading aloud as. A little Labrador sits next to him or lies next to them or sleeps next to them more likely. Um, so the little, um, a little program here, Mark, to aim to help students who are struggling to learn by providing them with a positive, calm environment and a big fat Labrador to lie next to them. <laughs> um, so when they first start, the children are a bit hesitant, but they then develop confidence because they read to the dog, Mark. And as we know, the dogs are not, judgmental especially if they get in a treat mark um, and they have a little good calming influence there so yeah another another variation on you know pets as therapy mark um so reading dogs so um they've got lots of cute pictures in this article there mark as you uh, no doubt have seen but um great idea and you know what what better sort of breed than than a lab or a retriever mark to just sit there and um while the while the child reads to them and um, encourages them to to overcome i was looking at that uh the photograph that accompanies this article and um and uh, the dog has a lovely harness identifying it as a reading assistance dog i suppose story dog identifying it as a story dog um and um but it is having a nice news there, isn't yeah. it? Yes, it doesn't look particularly interested um, in in in, uh, um, in, um, in the child there. But uh, great idea, Mark. And um, anything yeah. that makes them read and makes it easier for them to read is a good thing in my book. And if and, it includes a Labrador, it, <laughs> it's even better. And get rid of any anxious thoughts from that child when they're struggling and feeling a bit self-conscious reading out aloud to the teacher. Fantastic, Mark. Very positive story. What's your final one? Well, mine's a bit of a, you were, uh, you were sort of hoping that it would be a, a positive story. I think it is a positive story. It's the um, report that um, University of Queensland virologists have um, done some important work identifying the koala retrovirus um, in different populations of koalas. And they've detected a little bit of a difference across state lines. Um, so Michaela Blyton and uh, Keith Chappell from the Australian Institute for Bioengineering and Nanotechnology have... Um, have identified that the retrovirus, uh, the DNA for the retrovirus, is far more prevalent in New South Wales and Queensland koalas um, when compared to the more southern populations in Victoria and South Australia. And understanding, uh, uncovering these crucial patterns will help them understand uh, how the disease is uh, 
developing, how it's epidemiology, and and it may lead to um you know there's there's talk about some of the populations, uh, for example, the I think there's a feral population on Kangaroo Island in South Australia, and those koalas um, are, are eating out the forest, and and uh, um, maybe it's possible to collect some of those koalas and and uh, re-establish populations further up the coast that have been damaged by the fires or whatever. But it's important to understand, you know, what diseases they might take with them and what diseases they might face when they get there that could affect the success of um, any. Uh, uh, movement, any reintroduction, translocations. Um, and similarly, it might uh, give clues as to why um, the virus is is uh, restricted to more northerly populations. There might be uh, some environmental factor, some genetic factor, something in the genes of those uh, koalas up north. There's a lot of research to be done. Yes. Um, I, I don't think... There is, there is a statement here, Dr. Blyton suggests ultimately we might see some kind of antiviral treatment, um, uh, uh, but I don't know that a specific antiviral treatment is the way to solve this problem. I think it's much more likely that uh, understanding the epidemiology might allow us to manipulate the factors that make it a problem for wild populations. Yes, and they do mention about we should be a little bit careful about um potentially translocating or relocating species from, you know, say southern areas to, to northern area. Now, I don't think that's done that much um, anyway, is it, Mark? Because the, I don't, I, the, di the differences, I don't think they were talking about, probably not talking about between state to state, were they more just within regions? I think there are talks of uh, doing it, um, but I think this just highlights the relatively significant um, Concerned, uh, risks, yeah, yeah. and and they are, you know, a lot. Uh, a lot of the people who deal with koalas all the time think they're virtually subspecies anyway, and the the, the southern koalas are much buffier and bigger, you know, when you see them compared with some, the, the koalas up north, Mark. And um, yeah, um, keep your viral ridden. <laughs> Nothing, nothing Koalas good. away from us here in Victoria, please. Not, yes. I can't think of anything good that comes of it from <laughs> moving wild populations of animals around at our, you know, to, to make us feel good. Just don't put them under stress and don't chop down their forests. That's yeah. the way. And plant more trees, yes, and stop subdividing and making houses for humans. Well, I think, Mark, we have run through a quick little rundown of some Australian Aussie-related news stories there, and this is going to be one of our quick little episodes, this, um, a little filler one, as I said at the start, and we're always happy for people to give us feedback, whether it's positive or negative, send an email, vetgurus at gmail.com, and let us know what you think about these little quick summary episodes, whether you like them or you don't like them, and we will probably reply to you, <laughs> won't we, Mark? <laughs> Maybe a bit defensively, but, yes. but yeah, <laughs> we will reply. And with that, we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus. Don't forget to visit us at the website, vetgurus.com, where you can subscribe, 
view show notes, listen to previous episodes and more. You can contact us via email at vetgurus at gmail.com to ask a question or just say hi. Thanks again and see you next time. Thank you.